Taylor Decker's on my All-22 fantasy team. Stop. They don't care. So the strategic component to this game is through the roof. Your predictions, right, your forecasting in fantasy football into how good is this player? This is going to, it's going to change the industry. Yeah. yeah. I moved to the old town where it goes down. Look at me now. I wrote my goals down. I hold it down. Made myself proud. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the All-22 Podcast. I'm Chris Lombardi, and I'm with Ray Cotto. Uh, everyone, we are live for signups. If you haven't done it yet and you're listening to this podcast, I don't know what you're doing, but you can go ahead and use promo code Second Season. That is the number two ND season for $20 off your All-22 membership for 2023. So make sure you're getting in there and signing up. We have a month left to draft, right? So you got to get in there now. You got to get your league set up and you need to start drafting. Um, Hopefully this podcast has been helping you out with that and you're taking some of those tips that we've been giving and uh, hopefully you're ready to compete. Ray, I'm super excited though because we have a big weekend coming up. We have the Fantasy Football Expo. For uh, those of you that don't know, every year uh, this amazing gentleman, Bob Lung, puts together this awesome expo in Canton, Ohio, that is for fantasy football. It's all fantasy football fans going to meet other fantasy football fans, but also getting to meet people like us. Um, if you are, you know, interested in going, get out there. It's uh, it's not that expensive to go to at all. I think tickets are, what are they, like 20 bucks, Ray, something like that. It's, it's not bad. No, not at all. And you get a like a swag bag. You get uh, a lot of free stuff. Everybody's giving out free stuff. Stop by our booth, which is, of course, booth 22. And maybe you'll get something for free, too. So um, we look forward to seeing everybody there that'll be there. But, Ray, I'm super pumped about it. Uh, we have, like, the the flag tournament we did last year. We have a lot of, like, fun little things we, we got going on. Uh, what are you most excited about? Yeah, it's it's a great event. Uh, I was recently on Bob's uh, Fancy Football Expo podcast a couple weeks back. Uh, just just talking about it and it's an awesome event um, anyone who loves football fantasy football uh, it's it's a must you know must have on your sort of itinerary and of course I mean it's in Canton it's at the Hall of Fame so it should be on everyone's bucket list anyway if you're listening to this podcast but it's a great event you meet a ton of cool people uh, learn a, a, a ton about uh, football fantasy football and um, all these cool products that are out there, it's it's truly a blast. So yeah, kudos to Bob Lung because this thing has grown into just something truly spectacular. So all props to uh, to Bob and can't wait to, to go back out there this, this weekend, just a couple of days. For sure. I feel like last year we made so many memories, we made so many friends. So I'm excited to go back and see people and be like, we met last year and we'll, you know, we'll have a drink, we'll have a lot of great conversations. So looking forward to that. Uh, but let's kick it off, right? Big episode. Well, hold on, hold on uh, Chris. Before we, before we kick it off, you're going to have a little mini therapy session, right? I got a, I got, I got a question for you. I need to know if if, if, if you feel like I feel session. right Do you now. think I yeah. need therapy or do you need this, therapy? This is, all 20, this is all 22 therapy right now, right? I got to know, okay. do you do you also have like this, it's this time of year, right around now, you know, second week of August, I get like this, this sick, this, like this pit in my stomach, this sick feeling in my stomach where, and it's not because, you know, I'm... I'm going to line up against Des Bryant in 72 hours or so. Like that's, that's, I'm ready for that. I'm built for that. That's fine. But like football's, you know, the NFL season's like four weeks away, right? Mm -hmm. All these things that I have to do before I pretty much put the world on pause for four to five months starting in September, right? It's like all these things that have to get done that I want to get done. All these books I have to read. Like you ever, you ever like, uh, just 
you're hanging out, you're lounging around, you kind of go through YouTube and you just see like, you know, these cool, you go down these little rabbit holes, like these cool things, whether it's about, you know, about whatever, any topic, business or, or old cartoons or cool videos, like, you know, like, oh, Goku versus Frieza, like full fight, English dub, original, like, oh, I'm going to sit and watch this for the next 25 minutes, you know, like I, none of that happens during the season. That That's all off season content that gets me through to the season. I got, I got Netflix documentaries I have to watch. I have to finish quarterbacks. I have to, there's the Johnny Manziel thing. I think the Florida Gators have something coming up uh, next week or something, right? So that's out. So it's like, I got to take all this content in. There's like so much that has to get done before we basically just, I think Andrew Brandt coined it. You go into the submarine for the, for the NFL season. It's almost here. Do you, do you have that sick feeling or is it, is it just me? I have that feeling. I have that feeling, Ray. Uh, you know that I'm moving, so I have a move that I'm doing, and it will look no different to anybody else because I'm literally moving two floors below where I live now. Uh, so it'll be the exact same kind of look for everybody else, but I'm moving, right? So like I have a move coming up, a um, lot of kind of like big life things, right? So just preparing for a lot of different things. Um, but yeah, like I have like that like kind of pre-football list. I'm reading a book on Abraham Lincoln, learned that he was like, did you know he was like a world-class wrestler? A I, I think I did. I think I did learn that in uh, elementary school. He was, yeah, he was a big wrestler. You went to a better school than me. I don't know, but like, I did not Probably. know that. And I was like, that is amazing. I would like want to read about Lincoln and learn more about him. So I'm reading like a book about Lincoln that I got to finish. Um, I saw Oppenheimer that was on my kind of to-do list. So I got to check that one off. Uh, what else? Like there's Barbie, yeah, a lot Barbie? of stuff. I, I saw Barbie. I did see Barbie. Nice. Okay. Got to go with the I wife. Not yet. <laughs> Gotta go see Barbie. I thought it was a kid's movie. It is not a kid's movie. So just prepare oh, yeah. yourself. For no, that. it is not. No, it is I've not a kid's not. movie. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, this year more than ever, am I, do I have that feeling? Because being a Packer fan, I never really worried about the preseason, right? It didn't tell me all that much about my team. This year is going to be a lot different, right? I get to see what Jordan Love looks like in a more expanded role, thinking they're going to give him a lot of preseason time. And I am incredibly nervous for that, right? Because I have no idea what to expect. Uh, it's been kind of like to this point, you know, we've just been, you know, me, I'm like all for like, let the quarterback sit and learn, like get a guy, let him sit and learn for a few years before you put him in. So I love the way we did it, but like, that's not how things are done anymore. So I really don't know how it's going to turn out. So that feeling is definitely there. Yep. Awesome. Okay. So it's not just me. It's good. It, it, we have strength in numbers now, you know, it's uh, like, like solidarity. That's, that's, strength that's a good thing. I feel better. I feel better. Yeah. Need, needed to get that off my chest. You know, like there's there's going to be no, oh look the, the the farewell address to HBO Boxing just pulled up on my YouTube feed. I'm going to be able to watch that now. Yeah, that made me sad. Like I, there's none of that for for months. So for months, got to get it all out now. Got to lock in, lock in now. Yep. Right. All right. Yeah. Let's jump into it. Malik Hooker is the first thing we're going to talk about. Uh, not an exciting way to kick it off, but I think it's an important way to kick it off. Uh, because Malik Hooker, after a very turbulent start to his NFL career, injuries, proves that he can last a full season and almost immediately, right, gets this pretty decent payday uh, from the Cowboys. Three years worth up to $21 million. Uh, he was one of my favorite players from the 2017 draft. I loved him, right? I love a player that can be a ball hawk, can be explosive, can be a playmaker. Uh, and that's kind of what every team looks for. But those injuries early on, sidelined his career. You haven't really heard much about him until last year when the Cowboys took a risk on him and it seems to pay to have paid off. Uh, I like the deal, right? So three years, $21 million. I think there is an out for the Cowboys so they could get rid of some of that money if it doesn't work out. 
but what's the worst that could happen, right? We're used to the Cowboys making these giant investments in players like Zeke, where you know that the end of that contract isn't going to be good. But you look at a guy like Hooker, who's, uh, I'm trying to remember how old he is. Do you have it written he's down 27. anywhere? Yeah, he's 27. He's 27, right? So a three-year yeah. deal takes takes you to 30. Yes, a guy with injury history, maybe you don't love that. But I think it's a good gamble to take. What do you think about it as the Cowboy fan? Yeah, it's it's a prudent move. It's one of those where it's like the the Cowboys as a whole, as a front office, they they stack moves like these. They'll do about three or four deals like this where they find these solid contributors through their pro scouting department. They do a great job. And they'll sign good deals like this, both through the term and as far as like the dollars are concerned. And then they just take a 12 gauge to their foot because they 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 cave to a running back Ezekiel Elliott and give him a ton of money and, and just ruin the whole thing. Right. Or they use, you know, they keep restructuring the contract of someone like Tyron Smith and Tony Romo. It's like the two people with extensive injury histories in the latter parts of their career. And you keep restructuring their contract so that you can't get out of it when they age. And then they just ruin all, like all the good finds that they have as a team. Right. But specifically to, to Malik Hooker, I really like it. He's a well-rounded player just overall, which at safety in this league, that's pretty much the best you're going to get outside of, you know, maybe one or two all pro level players. Um, And it's funny because to take a step back to me, hooker was an absolute stud coming out of college. Yes. He was a first round pick. Uh, And then as you mentioned, right, he suffered a bunch of injuries, a torn ACL and MCL as a rookie, then a torn meniscus again in 2019, and then tore his Achilles in 2020. I mean, two of those three right there are career altering injuries. And he's just, he just had them just sort of piled on. Um, And I think that's actually true in this case, in the sense that it did alter his career. I've always been like, irrationally high on him. I'm talking like I thought Malik Hooker would be an all-decade safety, like Hall of Fame candidate player coming into the league. I thought he was that good. So perhaps the injuries have impacted him. Yeah, perhaps they've impacted him to where he's not that uber-explosive, like dynamic, like game wrecker now, but he's sort of evolved into just a solid, dependable player on the back end of a defense who is still good in coverage, still has good range. Um you know, makes plays on the ball, doesn't take poor angles and just does his job, which again, at safety, you're, that's, that's what you want. That's what you need. He was the 18th ranked safety last year with at least 300 snaps played on defense and top 30 in run defense and pass coverage. So again, super well-rounded and that defense in Dallas is in phenomenal shape. They upgraded a defensive tackle with a first round pick and at cornerback with Stefan Gilmore. Uh, so the environment around him, him being hooker got even better uh, as he goes into his age 27 season, which again is right around his, you know, that's his prime now. Right. So I think it's a good move for both sides and someone that should be a weekly starter in all 22 this year and likely for the next two to three years. Yeah. That's what I wanted to get to. Right. So what do you think of him as like an all 22 uh, general manager? Uh, I, I kind of think that the same thing that the Cowboys did is what you should do, right? Like he's a player that you should roster. You shouldn't be afraid to roster him. Because if he gets hurt, right, we made some changes in the IR that we'll be announcing soon, he'll go to your IR um, and he won't take up a roster spot. But if you do have him on your roster and he is healthy, he is that kind of 70 to 72 player that can fill in in a moment's notice. And maybe he's even a starter for you because safety is hard to come by. Uh, And if you get that upside because of that elite level of talent that he 
actually has in him, you could be, you know, getting a really valuable safety for a very low price. So I like that. I like that a lot. But let's move on to Alvin Kamara. Um, Alvin kind of like had a couple tough years in the past, right? So uh, two years in a row, 63.2 PFF grade and then a 72.7 PFF grade. So from from an all-22 perspective, I don't think we look at him as the same kind of elite player that you were looking at him as in regular fantasy, not even just because of the positional thing of being a running back and it's less valuable in all 22, but his actual production in all 22 isn't that level like it is in traditional fantasy. Now on top of that, he goes ahead and gets a three game suspension for his involvement in a hotel fight uh, that was actually like kind of like a mauling. It was kind of bizarre if anybody saw the video um, and, and you're missing him for three games now, right? So if you were depending on him as you're running back and you were okay with that kind of middling production, he's not there for the first three games of the season. So Ray, what, what are you doing about this? Kamara uh, is the, the profile really that I just don't have on my roster anymore. Right. Just never been uh, for the last couple of years. Anyway, we, we kind of saw a decline in 2021, a slight bounce back last year, but again, that game breaker that we really haven't seen since 2020. Um, so you're talking a 28 year old running back in an offense now that, is is I mean they've got some weapons they did get Olave and everything but they have Derek Carr now uh, so the situation is okay it's fine the division isn't especially tough so it's not as if we're expecting a you know a, uh, a total replacement level player or anything but he's not a cornerstone of my offense by any means if you're someone who has completely avoided the running back position in your startup draft. I think he's a fine option later on when you filled all your other starter starting roles if he's still around, uh, which which he 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 may be given his age and sort of the the decline we've seen in the last two years and then the 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 suspension that's coming up here now. Um, but anything more than that, as far as taking him in the first eighteen rounds or something in a startup, I, I would definitely not uh, not do that. I, I would I would solidify all other positions before I address or, or look to someone like Alvin Kamara if that's the route I'm going to go for for running back if I'm if I'm trying to get somebody who I want to just sort of set running back and forget it I'm not going after someone like Alvin Kamara that's someone where I address everything else and if he's still around I go okay yeah sure that's great you know he'll, he'll come back after week four and he'll probably be fine um won't win me a game won't lose me a game and just just ride it out until you get someone younger in there for a more long-term solution but I'm not. I'm not terribly high in his prospects. I kind of see uh, a repeat of 2022, to be honest, just from a grading perspective, as far as you know, mid 70s, which is fine. It's actually pretty good, um, but nothing that's going to win you a league or really separate you from the pack. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And it's interesting because the narrative on Kamara was that when he came out of college, right, he came out with very little wear and tear on his body. Uh, he then split time with Mark Ingram. And I think that's when we saw the best version of him. Mark Ingram then leaves. Kamara is the headliner, has like one and a half really good years, maybe two. And then you kind of start to see injuries pile up. And to me, I'm looking at it saying maybe he was never meant to be that workhorse back. And maybe he did work best in a committee. Uh, This year they go and they draft um, Keandre Miller 
out of, I think, TCU, right? And then they go and they just added Kareem Hunt, right? So they add two running backs to kind of spell Kamara with. Kamara's not going to be there for the first three games, but then these guys are going to spell him. And I think maybe we will see a better version of Kamara in that maybe a slightly limited role compared to what he's been asked to do in the past couple of years. So I like that for him. I think that is a good thing. And it puts you in kind of an awkward situation in all 22, because I think if you are not a guaranteed top two, three team, he's absolutely somebody I sell. And I think even if you are a top two, three team and somebody's offering you something pretty decent for him, I'm probably selling him in that situation too. But if that's not the situation and you can't get a lot for him and you are this winning team, I think he's a perfectly good running back to have on your team. Because I do think that production, like you said, mid seventies production is good. It's, it's not bad in that of position that is 2.94% of your team. That's fine. Right. Um, so I, I say, keep them in that situation. And then also if somebody's selling them for a seventh round pick and you are a team that is primed to win and you don't have a running back like me, for example, like I don't, typically carry a running back. Like I just stream them week after week. I have two guys on my team. Like last year I picked up Tyler Algier and it worked out really well. I think every year you can basically do that at running back, but a guy like Kamara is a guy that I would take in the situation for a seventh round pick and say, okay, that's going to be, it's going to be my main back this year. And just, you know, it'll be fine. And I think you can do that in all 22. That's fair. Do you need any offensive tackles to go along with a running back? And we're not, we're not doing this again, Ray. Okay. We're, not, we're not, we're not creating trades on the air, right? I'm I don't think people want to hear that. I'm just checking. Unless you want to give me Abraham Lucas, and then we can talk about it. I mean, he's one of my tackles. You can, you know, yeah, you can make an offer right. for him. Cam Jordan is the next guy we're going to talk about because Cam Jordan surprises us with a two-year, twenty, basically a twenty-eight million dollar extension. So two-year, twenty-eight million. It actually takes his contract all the way through twenty twenty-five when he will be 36 years old, right? We just talked about Alvin Kamara, Alvin Kamara being 28 and it being very, very old. And that running back, yes, there is a bit of a difference, but we're talking about a guy that's 36 years old, making him one of the oldest players currently in the NFL. And he gets a $28 million extension. Um, I like this deal for Jordan uh, because obviously he's making a ton of money late in his career. That's what you want as a player, but I like it for the Saints as well because they're a team that, uh, need some consistency with the, the changes they've had in the last few years. And it's one of their leaders, right? This is a guy that is the, one of the most consistent players on the field, but a leader off the field as well. And paying a guy like him that kind of money at that age, it's, it's a dangerous game to play, but you got to hope that it works out. And if, and if it doesn't, you're paying a legacy player that's going to be there for the, you know, a part of your franchise, probably for the rest of his life. Uh, maybe he's not a Hall of Fame level, level player, but he's probably a Saints Hall of Fame level player and that's why i like the deal for them what do you think yeah cam jordan is one of my inaugural draft picks going back a few years now right so i'm just gonna read off since 2015 let's just let's just do that right he was drafted all the way back in 2011 which is wild um but 2015 right 82 Wait, 2011 is like the cam newton draft right so like he's been playing as long as cam yeah. newton and longer I think Pretty that's good. the Cam Newton draft. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. yeah, at a physical position. And so, as as we'll see here, and playing at a high level too. But you'll notice something. So, let's just start from 2015, right? 82, 90, 90.8, 89.7, 87.6, 83.7, 84.3, 74.5. That's 
like seven years of elite play at a premium position at, at edge. That's just a super consistent, high-level player across the board. That's awesome. But we did see a 10-point drop in 2022 from 2021, and he is now 34 years old, which is it's pretty frightening, right? I think especially his pass rush grade in 2022 was in the 50s. I think, I think it was outside the top 100 of, of edges and probably goes a little bit higher when you do some snap qualifiers, but it's not good. And so is that is that the start of the drop, right? I, I certainly don't think he's going to get any better at age 34, right? Um, I think this is a player who is rosterable, but I wouldn't want him as one of my first two edges uh, anymore, that is. He had a great run of elite play, and now what you're hoping for is solid. You know, doesn't have 24-year-old legs anymore. Now he's got 34-year-old legs, so that same burst is probably not there, but he's a physical veteran who's smart and solid, is going to do his job and is going to probably have a grade that reflects that without large upside or high upside week to week. And at a position like edge, I think you have to go for that high upside type of uh, player for your starting role. And then more so if that if that fails, right, if 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 you go after some boomer bust type prospects and maybe they don't hit, then you have someone like Cam Jordan to sort of fall back on on a weekly basis. But I wouldn't want him any higher on my depth chart than third or fourth at edge. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. And I kind of like the idea of spelling him with a rookie, right? Like I drafted uh, Miles Murphy in in our league. Cam, Cam Jordan's a perfect guy to spell him with because Murphy's probably not going to be able to be a starter for me. Uh, right away. And if he's, if those are my three and four edges uh, and there's bye weeks coming up, I don't know if I could rely on Murphy, right? So Jordan is a guy that I can rely on and I like him in that situation in all 22. So I agree with you. I have him too. If you wouldn't, you want him too. We can Abraham Lucas, Cam Jordan. We can, we can start building something here. I got a lot of edges. I'll give you like a seventh or something. We'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. Okay. We'll talk about it later. That's going to have to come up though. It'll have to come up. Logan Wilson. Let's talk about Logan Wilson. And uh, you and I kind of teased this, you know, when we were having conversations a few days ago. I have a little bit of a strong take on Logan Wilson, but he signs a four-year, $36 million deal with a $9 million average. Uh, He's under contract now until he's 31 years old uh, with an out after 29. Right now he's 27, but he's just played three years in the NFL, which means he was a 24-year-old rookie. Uh, his, pl- his play last year was a huge outlier from the years previous, uh, and that's a little bit of a concern for me. But he was PFF's 19th best-graded linebacker last year with a 72.7 defensive grade. Uh, but yeah, so like I wanted to talk about a few things about Logan Wilson. One, I'm definitely concerned about a guy like Logan Wilson who – had a 54.7 and a 53.9 defensive grade in his first two seasons, then gets a 72.7 last year and then gets paid, right? He's 27 years old. Again, this deal takes him until he's 31. So you're taking him basically through his his prime and maybe pass. Uh, For a player with only really one year of true good production, if this was a younger player and he was, say, in year three and he was 24 years old, I, I understand it a little bit because you're getting more years of his prime. And maybe you think, you know, 
he was a younger guy and he needed time to develop. He's, he wasn't a man yet, but no, this is a guy that was a man. Um, and the production really wasn't there until year three. I just want to read out another player that I kind of see some comparisons with uh, his contract and his grading. So uh, this player got a three-year, $30 million deal in 2020. Uh, his rookie year, he was at 59.6. His uh, sophomore year, 66.2. And then his third year, 73.9. Then the first year of his new deal, he got a 58.9 grade, then a 75.9. And then basically was out of the league with a 57.8 grade in 142 snaps. And then the last year was his last year in the league. He had a 38.4 grade. Do you know who I'm talking about? Is that Jalen Smith? It is Blake Martinez, who the Giants signed for a $30 million deal and is now selling Pokemon cards, right? So well, good for him. That's yeah. He still if he kept them in good condition, that's actually that's impressive because I wish I got a binder upstairs, but they're not in. They're not you in didn't see like reports on him. He made like millions of dollars selling Pokemon cards. Uh, I I did not. I will always be forever grateful for him as being our sort of you know our example in our early days of why this game is great. But uh, I did not know that about him. I'm I'm gonna look that. Up. I'm gonna add that to the things I have to do before the football season kicks off. That just makes me even more nervous over the next. Add it to your weeks. list. Yeah. But, but it is a concern to me, right? So a guy that in his first two years didn't really produce, then in year three has a good year and then gets paid. And then after maybe one productive year on the new deal, he's out of the league, right? And he's he's a middling player. And the reason I bring this up is because I think that linebacker is a position that NFL teams are paying, right? We saw uh, who did the Ravens sign to a uh, pa- Patrick? No. Who did the Ravens no, sign? Uh, Roquan Smith. Roquan Smith. Yeah. So they've signed Roquan, Roquan Smith to like a $100 million deal. We saw TJ Edwards get a pretty big deal. We saw a few other linebackers this offseason get paid. Like good money. And the reason I'm bringing that, that up is because they're getting paid more money than any running back is, right? But are we so sure that the life of a linebacker is that much better than the life of a running back? And the consistency, right? Like the consistency. And another reason I bring this up is because I'm sitting here thinking if I'm Saquon, coach, put me at linebacker, right? Like put me at edge, put me at linebacker. You're telling me that Saquon couldn't be as good as Logan Wilson. Are you kidding me? He could do that. Probably not. If he just did it tomorrow, like it'd be, it'd be totally different. Like, you know, you don't think you don't don't just switch Logan Wilson. No, (laughs) there's a lot to learn at linebacker. What do you mean? It's not just about being able to jump out of the screen when you do uh, those Bulgarian split squats on Instagram. It's it's a little tougher than that. It's a little growing more up, cerebral Ray, of a position. Growing up, Ray, where were the good players playing? When you were a young kid, where did you play? If they, yeah, if they were get, a good kid back. on the team, you where did they the play? the ball in your hands. Yeah. You were a quarterback or you were a running back. Right. I don't think that ever changed. I just right. think that that Pee Wee coach back, was fighting for his life. He needed Saquon to have the ball so he could keep his job for the next season right, to, right. to win the, the district championship in Pee Wee football. He needed, he needed that. But I don't know if that's the case the anymore. Like, I don't know if that's the best thing for Saquon anymore or guys like Saquon, right? Like if you're, if you're B. John Robinson and you're uh, 215 pounds, you might be able to play receiver. If you're Saquon and you're 230 pounds, Hey, Go try linebacker. Go gain another 20 pounds in your Micah Parsons, right? Like, I don't know if that's so far-fetched. I really don't I mean, because those are the best yeah. athletes on the football field most times. Guys like Saquon. They could – like, I, I just have this feeling if he wanted to do it, he could do it and he could be that player. And he could go get a big payday. 
He's already, I mean, he's still, he has been for the last like few years, but Saquon Barkley is still the Giants' best wide receiver too. Like he, he's been their best wide receiver for like three years going now. So there's, there's that ever since Beckham left, uh, to be honest. So there's that. I think, I think maybe if he just lined up out wide more often, that's probably a little easier than just saying, yeah, just be a, just play a completely new position. And yeah, you'll just, you'll just pick it up. That, that's, that's fine. Go ahead and tackle Tony Pollard. You'll be fine. Like it's a little different. Speaking of Tony Pollard, by the way, one thing also for our listeners, you know, we're always going to shoot you straight. We're not going to go on Fox Sports uh, Network or FS1 or whatever it is and talk about how good Tony Pollard was in practice when he was attending the the birth of his daughter. Um, somehow people get paid to do that. So there's there's that. So Cowboys fans know what I'm talking about if you don't, Chris. I do not. Yeah, it's your favorite, it's your favorite LaShawn McCoy. I know you were a big fan of his when he was in the league. So Nope, was not. Yeah. But is there something to this that's going to combat what I said, or is it just you talking about? Just that it's hard stuff? to play linebacker. You can't just swing. You can't just be. Just I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's easy. Up. I'm not yeah. saying it's easy. I'm saying the you best athletes on the football it. field are running backs most times, right? Because that's just who it was their their entire lives. They were always the best athletes. I think they sure. could play most positions on the football field besides maybe quarterback because it's a di- completely different skill set, right? I'm obviously not offensive lineman because of size, but I'm saying like. There's probably some running backs that could be really good cornerbacks, right? They have the if they if they have some shifty hips, like you're telling me Alvin Kamara couldn't play corner, he probably could. He probably so could. He's 215 pounds. There's not many 215 pound corners out there anymore. 5'10, 215. That's a but he's, a he's been guy. trained to do, to be that big, right? If he didn't have to be that big, you're telling me he couldn't drop 10 pounds and be a corner? Of course he could. Just because you and I make it look easy doesn't mean that it's easy for everybody else. <laughs> right? It's it's just a little different. We're just different. For all of you that don't know, Ray has been just constantly calling out Des Bryant that he wants to cover him at the uh, the expo this weekend. So if you don't come for any other reason, come to watch Ray guard Des Bryant. And j- you can't tell how tall we are because we're uh, we're on a podcast. But Ray and I are not the tallest dudes. Not that we're super short, but we're not the tallest dudes. Um, Des is what six four two fifteen two twenty six. You listen, if Aaron Glenn can line up against Plaxico Burris. I'm about it. It, 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 you know, just is what it is. So you're play uh, the ball. You're comparing your talent to Aaron Glenn, pretty much. Um, pretty much. You know, relative. This is relative. This is all. This is all relative. All right. So don't 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 think don't think too deep. We've gone way off track because you just wanted to come on here and trash Logan Wilson signing. Our boy Eric is is mad at you now. We got a lot of Bengals fans, by the way. You know, given the Cincinnati connection and everything, and like they're just. They're mad at you for this. Um, I actually liked Logan Wilson coming into the NFL. I thought he was a good. Uh, I thought he was a good player. He had, he had he had good in the box tape, but yeah, I didn't like that he was 24. I hate 24 year old rookies. I hate them all. I hate all 24 year old rookies. Uh, so there was that. Right. Uh, the other thing though that does make me hesitate about Logan Wilson in this deal is that coverage grades as a linebacker can be really volatile, and he graded very well in coverage last year. He was a top 15 linebacker in the league in coverage. And that's not something unless you're sort of a, a real on, top of the line linebacker on that, 542 yeah. snap uh, coverage snaps too. Right. So it wasn't did, like he, he a little bit. He did great. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But can you do that year over year? Only the elite of the elite have shown that they can do that. 
Logan Wilson may be able to do that. And if he can, then then I think you'll see him sort of stay in that 70s range, which is very good for linebacker in this league, right? But if he reverts back to the mean, then you could see a drop closer to his first two years in the league. Uh, and that can burn you if you're relying on him to play a big role now because maybe you drafted him a bit earlier because of a big deal in front of him. Um, so that's something that gives me a bit of pause too. But he's got DJ Reader in front of him. Uh, and that just makes life easy for linebackers. DJ Reader is is our favorite, right? So there's that. He's got that going for him. So I get the hesitancy. I'm with you, but I'm hesitant about just about every linebacker in this league after like the top four. So I, I think it is what it is. You just got to pick which one you want to hit your wagon to and hope that it comes out on top. DJ Reader was my boy until today when he destroyed the Packer all, Packers. All I saw was reports from Steven Sam today talking about how DJ Reader and Trey Hendrickson just destroyed the Packers offensive line and made Jordan Love's like life impossible. So I do love Jordan, uh, DJ Reader, just not today, just not today. Uh, and, and I stand by everything I said about the Logan Wilson signing, but the only thing I'll say kind of similar to what I said about Cam Jordan is like, I understand signing a leader. And if Logan Wilson is that in their clubhouse, which I don't know if he is or isn't, but if he is, then I start to understand this deal a little bit. Still don't love it. Stand by everything I said, just because I think one year of, I never, ever, ever want to pay a guy after one year of production, especially like a good chunk of money. If I'm going to pay somebody, I'm going to do it like the Eagles did it, where it's like, okay, they were like in their second year as a pro. And I decided to give them a long extension because I'm telling them they're getting paid sooner, but that's not what happened with Logan Wilson, right? Like he was at the end of his rookie deal, had one good year and they paid him a ton of money. Like, not for me. Just not for me. Okay. But let's go to the hidden gems, you know, fan favorite. Uh, <laughs> now that you're in such a great mood, let's just go straight into the hidden gems. <laughs> yeah. Let's go to the hidden gems. Ray and I are, I'll speak for myself, notoriously bad at this. Notoriously bad at this so far. Um, pretty sure I, I said a tackle for the Steelers that got replaced in the draft. I stand by it. Who knows? I saw that he was listed as the starter on that offensive line still. So we'll see what happens. But uh, AFC West, we're going to do today. And Ray, why don't you start it off talking about who you chose for the Broncos? Awesome. Let's just keep going at linebacker, Josie Jewell. And this guy is just a solid player Uh, over the last four years, 68, 68, 83, 71. So again, solid, not spectacular, right? He's not a super athlete, but he's just a solid linebacker in a league that's short of solid linebackers. Uh, the only downside to his game really is as a rusher or a blitzer where he just does not grade well at, in that role at all. Um, but with a healthy Randy Gregory and with Frank Clark there, he may not be asked to do that quite as much as he did last year in the past. Um, and his current ADP right now is actually like right in the early 53rd round. So he's like nearly undrafted or getting drafted very late. So again, a linebacker that has as good a chance to start as pretty much anyone else outside the top 13 week to week, and you can get him that late. To me, that's a, that's a steal. If, if he's still there, you know, in in those late rounds in the forties, uh, in your startups, go get him. Um, again, he's not going to break the bank. This is a hidden gem, not a, not a game wrecking, you know, superstar. I think he's exactly what you're looking for as long as you know what he is. 
Uh, we don't get to see a lot of West Coast football games besides like, you know, the primetime Chiefs games that are always on, right? And sometimes the Chargers. But the Broncos weren't on a lot this year because they started to do poorly. So it's nice hearing about guys that I don't know a lot about. So thank you. I don't know a lot about him. I don't have a lot to discuss about the guy that you brought to the table. But the guy I'm bringing to the table, I did watch a lot of. And that's Adam Troutman. Um, pretty interesting, right? Like kind of, you're probably sitting there saying, you know, they drafted Greg Dolchik a couple of year, years ago. And he's the guy and they like him. And you're hearing reports of how well he's doing. But one thing that you don't, you know, really look at is Troutman was drafted under Sean Payton when he was on the Saints. And uh, Sean Payton goes to the Broncos. And one of the first moves he makes is bringing over Troutman. And I think a big reason he did that is because when you look at Dolchich's, Dol, Dolchik? Dolcich? Don't know how to say his name. Dolcich. Yeah. When you look at his blocking grades, they were horrendous, right? So I'm talking sub 35 grades at both run and pass blocking. Troutman, that's his bread and butter, right? That he is a great blocker. Uh, if you look at his numbers when he was on the Saints, he had a run block blocking grade one year of an 86.9, and he never had a grade under 60 at run blocking. And then as a pass blocker, last year it was a 71.9. So that is something that he is extremely strong at, right? Um, he is entering his age 26 season, right? One thing I know about tight ends is they typically take a long time to develop. Uh, we saw breakouts from... Most of the tight ends that have been good in the last 10 years around that age 26, 27 season, you could look at Travis Kelsey, you could look at Darren Waller. A lot of those guys break out later in their careers, and then you see that like a lot of success. I don't know if Troutman is that, right? I don't know if he has the receiving ability to be one of those guys. If you watch some of his highlights, he is a good route runner. He is a sure-handed sure catcher, uh, but he's not that fast. He's not that elusive. He doesn't break like those guys do. So I don't know if that's what I'm going to see out of his game. But when you turn 26, 27, you start to, again, develop into becoming a man, right? And when you become a man, you get stronger. And he is already a competent run blocker, already a competent pass blocker. I think that is going to be a strength of his. And in all 22, right, this is a different game, right? We're not talking about a game where you just need to get a guy that's a receiving threat and he's going to grade well and he's going to score well for you. You can have a guy like Troutman and you can be very successful. The only thing that you worry about with Troutman is snaps, right? You need to make sure he's getting enough snaps. I think because of his bl blocking strength, you are going to see him on the field. Uh, it is a deep tight end room. But again, I think uh, Sean Payton brought him in for a reason. And I like I like Troutman this year. He was not on my radar, but you made an interesting case there. I think, I think the other thing you... I think actually what you kind of deem as a negative could actually be a positive in the sense that when it comes to Denver and the Broncos, I mean, they already have, I've, I've, I've called it before on this podcast and it's, I'm, I'm on that train that for this year, Jerry Judy is going to have a huge year through the air, right? They have Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton. They drafted Marvin Mims. I don't think they're looking for real receiving production from that tight end position. And if that's the case, and if Javante Williams, as reports may indicate, is healthy and and is going to be a big part of this offense, and you know from day one he's not going to be on on pup or you know have too much of a ramp up period early on in the season, then Troutman may be called upon more to just be that solid run blocking type of player, which plays right into his hands. So I think you you hit it on the head as far as. Is that enough of a snap share week to week? 
to contribute for you in all 22. I guess we have to see how that shakes out, right? It is a new offense. Sean Payton isn't necessarily a three yards and a cloud of dust guy, but he knows how to use his players and get the best out of his players and put them in situations to succeed. So if he does uh, sort of play that style with the Javante Williams uh, on the ground and use a guy like Troutman in that role, then it's certainly possible and, and, and would be a pretty good pickup because yeah, I, I think, I think everything else you said is kind of right on point as far as tight ends take a long time to really hit their stride anyway. And this is around the time that someone like Troutman, if it's going to happen, would hit that stride. Cool. All right, let's jump to the chargers. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go first here. And I was very present, pleasantly surprised to find this guy and it's Jamari sailor. Uh, I didn't know anything about him as a prospect until he got the starting opportunity with the Chargers last year. And I think he was very overlooked as a prospect out of Georgia, and he didn't end up getting drafted until the sixth round last year. Uh, He filled in for Rayshon Slater when he got hurt, and uh, he was forced into that left tackle spot. I don't think that's where they originally drafted him for. And in week four, all of a sudden, they're saying to him, you're our left tackle. And I think he really held his own. Uh, He let up too many pressures, uh, but only five of those pressures that he let up over, you know, uh, I think it was 14 weeks converted into snaps, only five sacks in 14 weeks, uh, which is good for about 29th, which is league average, right? Like that's pretty good. Um, Again, it's not great, but it's pretty good for a guy that was just thrown into a really difficult situation. When you, when I looked at him as a prospect, he did play tackle sometimes. He played some guard as well. But I think he was really built for that guard position. He's 6'3", 321 pounds, and he moves really well. He has good feet. Uh, he moves quickly. He has uh, some subtleness to him. Um, and I saw that in a lot of what he did last year for the Chiefs, even at tackle, right? They moved him around a lot. If you look at a lot of his successful plays, if you watch some of his highlight tapes, uh, they had him moving even at the tackle position. So they were pulling him. They were doing little uh, little steps with him to get him in space and, and make the uh, – the defense uncomfortable. One thing I do want to see is I want to see him start to control his body a little bit more. He he moves well, but he doesn't control his frame like a mature player would. Uh, when you look at a guy like Andrew Thomas, who now has established himself as one of the best tackles in the league and has a big frame, you know, he has control with his, like he's strong enough to control his frame. I don't think Sailor's really there yet, uh, but, it's, but it's something he can do. Now, uh, Again, Slater's going to be back at that left tackle spot. He's going to slide into either right guard or left guard. I think it's right guard because Zion Johnson will be back at, at left guard. And I love that, right? So you're talking about an offensive line now that's got Slater, it's got Zion Johnson, it's got Corey Lindsey, and then you've got a couple of young guys on the right side. But that's a lot of veteran presence in that offensive line and a lot of high draft picks on that offensive line. Should be really good, right? And this is a guy, when I looked at his kind of week-to-week, right, I saw grades – in his first start in week four at left tackle, right? Thrown into left tackle, he had a 78.6 grade on offense. It's incredible, like really, really good, right? So you know that he's not afraid. He's not gun shy. He's a guy that can be thrown into the fire and do well. And I'm talking all the way down to week 18 now, right? So we're talking a whole season, 14 weeks, rookie year, thrown into the fire, probably exhausted out of his mind, never played a season that long. Last week of the season against Denver, he had a 72.6 grade to end, end his year. Um, I love that. Right. I I love that. And now again, he's put putting going into probably what's a much more natural position to hit for him at guard. Um, and I think he can be very successful there. 
Man, I'm so proud of you, Chris. You're starting to talk like a draft guy. Um, that was my guy. I had Jamari Salyer. So, yeah, that's Any that other was my takes? guy. For, uh, I'm going through my notes. You pretty much hit them all, right? I think it, you kind of mentioned it, likely to be a guard now. He's projected, I think, at right guard for this season. So, depending on that update, right, he'll likely be switched to be listed as a guard. So, you're going to have that change in value from tackle to guard. Um, but he was actually, I think the 25th or he was a top 25 pass blocker, um, overall last year. Right. And so the other thing is with Kellen Moore, who I think he's gotten a ton of praise heaped his way, um, this off season. I think some of that's a little bit ahead of him. So I think he's a, he's a good coordinator, um, who runs an open offense and that kind of caters to and plays right into Sawyer's hands. But, um, so I think to that aspect as it relates to Sawyer, that's good. But some of the other stuff that said about Kellen Moore, let me get to the breaks a little bit about. There's there's some things where he doesn't make the quarterback's life the easiest. But um, we're not talking about Justin Herbert. We're talking about Jamari Salyer. So uh, to that end, uh, I think the 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 prospect of Kellen Moore coming in and running a bit of a more open offense plays into Salyer's hands. You mentioned that athleticism, and with his production as a pass blocker, I think that helps him when he is in his more natural position at guard on the inside. Um, and it's just a matter of that you know, natural growth and development of a young player now in his second season in the league to kind of tighten up those other loose ends to his game, like that core strength you were mentioning, uh, to become a more well-rounded player. I liked him a lot. He was a highly regarded uh, prospect in college, highly ranked coming into college, played really well. And yeah, he's built for guard. He's not built for tackle. The fact that he came in and performed admirably at tackle is another feather in his cap. But make no mistake about it. This guy's a guard and a good one. So yeah, all in on uh, Jamari Salyer. Cool. All right. So since I took your guy, why don't you start it off with the chiefs? Uh, chiefs. It's a bit of a shot in the dark, largely because this roster is so established that few players are really sleepers, right? You just have your superstar players and then everyone else who's sort of filling in their role and doing it at a high level. Obviously they, they won the super bowl. So I'm going with Justin Reed. Um, he was the 32nd overall safety in 2022, uh, played a lot of snaps and is a plus coverage grader and blitzer. Uh, he's got a stable sort of trio of corners in front of him. And given that it's the Chiefs and he's likely to be playing with lots of leads, that just plays more into his coverage strength. So while I'm not, uh, we talked about Malik Hooker earlier, for example, right? I think on a week to week basis, I think Malik Hooker is more of a safer, steady bet. Um, so I wouldn't rank him above Malik Hooker, but Justin Reed is another guy who I, I think um, can give you a lot of value at safety. He's not going to be a superstar. You're not drafting him very early, um, but he can be a starter for you week to week if needed at that safety position because, again, it's it's all supply and demand. Uh, there's not a lot of supply, so the demand is going up, and someone like Justin Reed starts to look better and better. I like that pick a lot for another reason too. And that's the chiefs have been investing a lot in their pass rush, right? So like a couple of years in a row now, they have first round draft pick capital spent on edge rusher. Um, I like that. And what it also allows we've talked about is Chris Jones to go back to his natural position of defensive interior, right? So the chiefs are now building this pass rushing group that should be more effective. And you're talking about a team that's always ahead, right? Every other team is coming from behind. Justin Reed just gets to sit there and be a center fielder and go go catch some balls, right? Um, and I think he can do that really well and at a high level. He's graded fairly well in his career, uh, 70 
70 grading three of his five years in, in the NFL, the two years that he kind of dipped under that, you know, you talk about that probably wasn't the best Chiefs teams. That's kind of when, you know, they started to take a dip themselves. Um, and, you know, we talked about Chris Jones experiments where they were moving him all over the place. It wasn't the best Chiefs defense for sure, but I think they've come a long way since then. So that's a great pick. I, I love that. My guy is also on that defense. And one of the notes I had that you touched on is I feel like this team is very studs and scrubs. That's their approach of doing things, right? It's it's let's get our stud guys. Let's pay them a ton of money. And then we're really not going to pay a lot of other guys. We just got to go into the draft and hope we get talented players, which they've done a really good job of, right? There's guys like Legereus Sneed that are, that are grading out through the roof as some of the top players at their positions. Um, and a guy that I like as my hidden gem is Leo Chanel, who was their third round pick last year at the linebacker position. Um, and he played a lot of limited snaps to start the season. And he had a bit of a rough stretch to start the year, right? As a rookie, he didn't play a lot and he was having some rough games. Linebacker, we talked about it's hard, right? It's not as easy as being Saquon Barkley going in there and being a stud. doesn't matter if you're Saquon or Leo Chanel, it's, it's hard. Um, and he struggled as a rookie for the for the first, uh, I'd say, nine weeks of the season and got limited snaps. But when you look at how he finished his year, the last four games of the regular season, he really showed up to play and he had over 20 snaps in each of those games. So he would have been a starter in all 22. And in those games, he had a 74.6 and 82.9, 51.6, which was a down game, and then a 69.5. So you're talking about above average to average games. Uh, to end the season as a starting level player in all 22. And then one other thing I'd point out is in the Super Bowl, he had a sack and five tackles and 86 grade on 18 snaps. So that is an extremely productive 18 snaps for linebacker Leo Chanel. Um, and you know how I like linebackers. I like big, mean linebackers, 6'3", 250 pounds. He's a guy that has great gap recognition and knows how to get his nose to the football. When you watch his tape, he does it very consistently. One thing I was surprised about him as a rookie compared to him in college is his coverage ability. He did he he blew past my expectations in coverage uh, on the year. He had a 60.5 grade, which again is average, but you're talking about a 6'3", 250 pound linebacker. Uh, having an average coverage grade. I think that's incredible, right? Um, so there was a lot to like about his film, a lot to like about his rookie season, and a lot to like about the way he ended his rookie season. So while the Chiefs probably are pretty set at linebacker, and I, I'm not sure Chanel will be an every down starter because they have Gay and Bolton there, I do think he gets a lot more attention this year and a lot more opportunity on that defense. Yeah, about four seconds after you said his name, I was like, "Oh yeah, duh, he's six three, two fifty. That's that's you know, my guy. That that's his guy. You know, he, you'll draft him and Jack Campbell and and just roll them out there on the field, and you know, you'll call whatever engage eight or something, and 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 be good to go. But yeah, that's I think the the thing with Chanel is just will his role continue to grow so that he he is playing at a consistent snap share that allows you to play him week to week. Because all those things you listed, yeah, he's and we talked about the the line in front of him getting better, right? They invested on the edge. They have Chris Jones on the interior. That's that's where you want to be uh, on defense, right? You got some good players behind you. You got some great players in front of you. So now just go out there and make plays. And as you as you basically pointed out, right, as his rookie year progressed, that's what he did more and more. So if that progression continues, yeah, I think it's right in line. I like it. Cool. All right. Um, I'm going to start off the Raiders because I want you to finish it. And the reason I'm going to start it off 
is because I promised myself and I promised the listeners when we started this exercise that if I didn't believe there was a player to be talked about, I wouldn't talk about one. And the Raiders might be the only situation. And 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 I also, like, I'll add the, ca- the caveat that last week I was making fun of you for choosing rookies because I didn't want to do that, right? I don't want to say one of these rookie players as the hidden gem because if they were drafted this year, you know, in the first few rounds, there's a good chance that they're not hidden gems and they're good football players. Um, and I talked enough about Michael Mayer in kind of the draft process about how I really like him. And I think he's going to be a great football player and how he's going to be a great player for the Raiders. And I still believe that, but in my eyes, he is not a hidden gem. And when I look at this roster and I look at this team, I didn't see one player that stood out to me as this is a guy I want to invest in and hold on my football team because I think one day he can be a great player and a starter and a positive starter for my football team. I don't think there was one player on this team that did that for me. And on top of that, and another reason that I didn't want to just go out on a line and pick somebody is because I think the coaching staff is going to change at the end of this year. And a player that you like that, again, not one of the rookies, but player you like that was maybe a hidden gem from the past few years and a guy that's going to come up and you think is going to do well. I think that there's a good chance when they switch the coaching staff, most of those guys are going to get replaced anyway, right? If it's not my guy, it's going to be a new guy. And I think a lot of coaches have that attitude. So from my perspective, I'm going to stay away from a lot of the Raiders players that aren't already established players. So I'm sorry, guys, I, I got nothing for you here. So Ray, you tell me who you have. Yeah, the the Raiders are tough. It's it's like um, it's like when you were in school and you had to write a paper and it had to be four pages when you made your point in like one and a half. But now mm-hmm. you just gotta like really reach and stretch to find things, play with the margin slightly. They hope the teacher doesn't notice. And uh, that's kind of how it is picking the Raiders. But I have one guy, and this is the only guy on that entire roster that basically I would I would consider, which is Trevon Morig. He had a really poor year last year, as did that entire team, right? But this is a second-round draft pick in 2021. Had Has good ability. He's got good size and good athleticism. Uh, and, you know, as a rookie, he was a top 25 safety. But again, he had a huge step back last year, as everybody did, and we know safety can be volatile. So sometimes you just have to take a step back and just bet on a guy with good size, good athleticism, and good draft capital that has shown he can play at a high level because, again, he was a top 25 safety in 2021. Uh, He posted a 77.7 coverage grade in 2021 and uh, a just under 70 tackling grade overall in 2022 uh and run defense was the strongest part of his uh grade in 2022 despite the overall grade being poor and he's probably going to have to tackle a lot because they're going to be behind a lot of games opponents probably going to be running and and uh yeah he's just going to have to make make some plays so um he's just shown on either end of the spectrum that he can play well whether it is on the back end in coverage or coming up and, uh, you know, just making a solid tackle and, and stopping the play for, you know, for whatever gain it ends up being. So you just have to bet on that. And it might be one of those things, like you said, it's not going to show this year. And there is going to likely be a new, new coaching staff next season or next year in 2024. And so what does that look like? It is a new regime. But if I'm betting on anybody to perform well and maybe 
be part of the solution for a new regime. It is a guy like Trevon Morig who is young and has some ability and just needs to be in a better environment and not just, you know, a toxic environment that we've seen really sort of drain the life and ruin the careers of players years over year over year. For the most part, it's bad organizations that result in poor careers more so than just, you know, it's not like these players can't play when they come into the league and have this ability. So um, I'm betting on Morig. Uh, if I have to take anyone from the Raiders, I, I feel like I've talked a lot about safety this episode, but um, yeah, the other two are safer bets, right? If we're going to just do that comparison right now, I think Malik Hooker, I mentioned it before, Malik Hooker uh, first uh, and then uh, followed by Justin Reed. And then I would take a chance on uh, Trevon Morig um, in that order. So um, yeah, it's it's just one of those where you got to, you got to take someone for the exercise and, and it's Trevon Morig and, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if he does perform well because he's shown it before, but definitely given the situation and everything else going there in Vegas, you don't want to have to depend on it. I like that pick. Um, it's interesting because if you look at that 2021 draft, they got two defensive backs that both had very good rookie seasons, and that's Morig and Nate Hobbs at corner. Um, Nate Hobbs being a fifth round pick that year. And they both had awful years last year right? Took a huge step back. I don't know what it was, right? Is it the new coaching regime? Is it, is it just a lack of talent around them? Is it their, their rookie year was kind of a fluke? Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know what to make of it. And that's why to me, like, I'm just going to stay away. I'm just going to stay away. But I also think like Hobbs broke out to an extent where, you know, that 80 grade where I don't know if he's a hidden gem, right? Like I actually have him on my team because I think he's a good football player. I don't think he's really a hidden gem anymore. I think Morig falls a little bit more into that hidden gem category because, you know, 71 grading as a rookie, yeah, it's good, but it's not like he was amazing, right? He yeah, wasn't, he wasn't a, Javon Holland. Right, exactly. So so I'll, I'll let you have that one. And, you know, again, we're, you're, you're grabbing at straws. You made that four-page paper out, of, you know, when you had your point made at one. Um, so I like it. I like it. Um, we were supposed to do the NFC West today, but I was unprepared. So we're going to save that for another day. And I think, you know, we're at 58 minutes is a good time to wrap it up. So everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. If you haven't yet, please give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at all 22 underscore PFF and leave us a review wherever you watch or listen to your podcast. Uh, and again, we are live for signups. Uh, if you can go to all 22.com and use promo code second season, that's the number two ND season. For $20 off your All-22 membership for 2023, I would do it immediately. Get in there, draft your team, and tell us why we're wrong about all the takes we just made. So um, we look forward to hearing from you, and hopefully we see some of you at the, uh, the expo uh, this weekend. Have a great night. I love guns.